Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 43 for Friday 18th March 2011. We're all bleeding blue. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Audible, the destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available worldwide. Want to be well-read like Duffbert but just can't spare the time to read books on paper? Take an audiobook on your commute or whilst walking instead. We've got a special offer for you. Download and listen to a best-selling book every month for just $7.49 a month for the first three months and you can cancel at any time. Pick from over 85,000 audiobooks from business to classics to sci-fi or comedy. Go to thisweekinlotus.com slash audible for all the details. Belug, the Belgium-Luxembourg Lotus User Group, is hosting a third major event on the 31st of March and the 1st of April this year. Two fully packed days, more than 40 sessions, and many of the best speakers in the community. You are welcome to join us in Antwerp in Belgium. It will be exciting and it will be free. Please visit www.blug.be for full details on the agenda. But register ASAP because seats are running out fast. Remember, blug.be. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. We're back for episode 43 of the podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by Darren Duke. Hi there, Darren. Happy St. Patrick's Day. It is St. Patrick's Day, right? It is indeed. Yeah, whether, whether we managed to publish on St. Patrick's Day it doesn't matter, <laughs> but at least we're celebrating it. How's your week been? It, it's it's going to be good. The day's going to be irritating because every American on the planet is going to come up to me and tell me why they're Irish. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously your accent is so Irish. I get Irish, I get Welsh, I get Australian. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> I saw a tweet go through earlier on saying, yeah, what would St. Patrick think looking down, seeing everybody drinking for St. Patrick's Day, given his background? But, uh, and he was but there we go. He wasn't even Irish. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, well, he learned something new every day. As usual, we're joined by a, a panel of, um, of specialists from around the Lotus community. First of all, we're joined by Andy Piper. Hi there, Andy. Hello. Hello. Now, you work for IBM, don't you? And you're not necessarily a, a yellow person, honestly, from the Lotus brand. But tell us what your background is. I, I like I like to, to think of myself as an IBM person. Excellent. Um, generally. Blue person. Um, I, work in, uh, I work in the WebSphere part of Software Group, actually, um, and I've been doing that for quite a long time now. Um, I'm actually the WebSphere messaging community lead. And, and although the messaging part maybe sounds a bit lotusy, that's talking about application-to-application messaging, so kind of the MQ integration that, that we, we do. Um, so a couple of nice things there. I, I get to do lots of kind of community outreach to people who use our software, which is really good. Um, and internally, uh, I've been kind of blogging in an early adopter of lots of our tools for, what, five or six years now. So I've somehow ended up as a 
a spokesperson slash conference speaker slash <laughs> the person that they they ask when Luis Suarez isn't available to go and talk about um, you know yeah. stuff social stuff. And I think you work sort of in a similar team to to Lewis as well regarding the Blue IQ stuff. Yeah, so well, I mean, Blue IQ is kind of a virtual organisation anyway, um, and yeah, so a group of us are ambassadors and help other parts of the organisation uh, adopt new tools, explain why these things are cool, help them find business value more quickly. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a fellow Blue IQ ambassador, although possibly less well known than than Lewis himself. Um, I also have my own. Well, I'm involved as a co-presenter on another podcast, which is called Dog Ear Nation, and Dog Ear, of course, is the internal name that we had for the Lotus Connections bookmark system when we were using that inside IBM uh, and originally. So it was based on the idea of people tagging their own uh, things that they were interested in every week for us to talk about. I was going to say, you're probably the most experienced podcast we've ever had on the show. You're about to, to hit your 200th episode, I think? Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I've been a regular presenter with them since about 80-something, I think. I was a guest a couple of times before that. So yeah, it's good fun. I always enjoy doing that. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate you joining us. Also joined by uh, Lars Olof Alaret. Is that right? Yeah, that's the right pronunciation of my name. <laughs> well, somewhere close, anyway. So you're, you're... Every, every week. <laughs> yeah. You need a challenge, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Lars, tell, tell us about your role. You're with IBM as well, aren't you? All right. Uh, I'm with IBM since a little bit over 10 years. I was actually hired into Lotus when we were still a subsidiary of IBM, and then I became blue-washed, and, and somehow I actually bleed blue instead of yellow. Uh, I've been around IBM for yeah, like 10 years. I've moved around between different organizations, and since January the 1st, I'm back in IBM Collaboration Solutions, or, or what's generally known as Lotus. Uh, so I work as a corporate evangelist uh, doing rather like Andy's doing, traveling around, talking to customers, trying to tell them why to use our software. And I also speak at public events about Smarter Planet, uh, talking about where IBM is going. Um, my speciality is working with first-of-a-kind projects. I've been doing everything that, that's emerging. As long as it doesn't say governance, I'm on it, I'm doing it. Uh, and I've been doing that for the past 10 years. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us today. I know you're probably the most prolific Twitterers we've ever had on this podcast. You're probably on there even more than Sandy Carter is. So uh, (laughs) so it's great to to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. And also we have Tina Groves, also of IBM. Hi there, Tina. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for bringing me on board. I'm feeling a little uh, um, uh, inexperienced (laughs) relative to my colleagues on the phone. Not at all. It's, it's great to have you on. Now, we've been talking uh, sort of privately for a few months now, haven't we, about getting you on here? And that's because you're in the Cognos product management team, aren't you? And and therefore, have kind of become known to, to the Lotus business, really, but through some of the integration points. So do you want to tell us what you do for the Cognos team? I work on the uh, Cognos collaboration area, and it's been really exciting. I can't tell you how much in- interest this has generated since Cognos 10 is released. Um, but just as a bit of background, I, I worked not only in Cognos, um, you know, we were talking about blue washing um, but before IBM acquired Cognos uh, for about 12 years. And I, I used the opportunity after the acquisition to go work over at WebSphere, Andy. So um, we might actually know a few folks down in Hursley Lab together. Um, but back back to Cognos. Uh, the, not only do I, do I now have colleagues and contacts in WebSphere, I got to I've now uh, over the last few months getting to know all the Lotus folks, and it's been a great fun to hear how social media and collaboration can add a great deal of innovation and excitement to business intelligence, which 
for people who like data, it is it is rather a, a state area. <laughs> can, can, can I just um, can I just comment, um, Tina? That, that I mean, with the whole WebSphere Lotus, I mean, there's been a, a long term relationship between those two, I guess. Uh, software brands in terms of the portal technology and other things, but but really, I mean, IBM Software generally, we, we, we're beginning to look much more about capabilities, aren't we? Around yes. it, it, you know the color of the brand or whatever is just becoming less and less relevant these days. It's really all about the the broader capability that that, that we provide through the software portfolio. Absolutely. And, and of course, one of the first opportunities um, we in what we used to be called the Lotus community um, had to kind of learn about this was at Lotusphere this year, where we, we had the move towards you know get social, do business, and the social business kind of campaign as we go through 2011. One of the key pieces of that that um, you know that, that was highlighted during some of the um, general sessions was the Cognos integration. So, um, Tina, perhaps you can kick us off with um, you know what integration is there, and, and maybe looking at the broader strategy. Why do you feel that um, bringing Cognos and the Lotus Connections product particularly together makes sense for some of the businesses that are Cognos users? Sure. It, would it make sense, Stuart, just to give a bit of background on what business intelligence is? Or all your yeah, please do. Yeah, do that. Yeah. So just to give a bit of background for those of you who are new to business intelligence, um, I know it sounds like a fancy word, but it's uh, it started, it's been years at, typically known as reporting and analysis. So think of the things that you know traditionally people do with a spreadsheet where you're um, you know, looking at lists, maybe sorting and manipulating. Um, but think about it, if you could do that in a really reproducible manner and, and be able to, to access that information live in real time rather than waiting for somebody to run an extract for you. So business intelligence brings you not only closer to the data, um, but gives you the tools for answering questions like, how am I doing today? Um, if I keep doing what I'm doing, uh, where will I end up being? And in many cases, uh, we can answer, business intelligence can answer the questions and, and how did we get here and why? So just gives you that bit, bit of background. Uh, Cognos 10 is our latest release. Uh, and in that, as you, as you were mentioning, is, is when we introduced collaboration. And that was a result of not just being part of the IBM family, but um, to a lot of like huge trends that are, that are occurring in the, in the market. People today are using um, Facebook and Twitter and all kinds of these social media tools uh, for personal reasons and, um, you know, find friends, uh, to, you know, you're gonna laugh. Yesterday, I actually had a problem with Skype, and uh, a former colleague of mine now is a product manager at Skype in California. So I, I sent him an email through Facebook just to say, "Can you give me a hand? Because I've locked myself out of my account." <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> you know, which is just funny. So you know, thank you, Andrew, Andrew Cowell, if you're out there. Um, thank you for your help. Um, yeah, so I could participate here. So in, in that in that regard, um, you know, people are looking at these tools and saying, hey, you know, if I can have that excitement and ease of use in my personal life and in my, uh, my the social aspects of my business, how can I bring them to be into my business to be uh, truly more effective? And you're, uh, you may have heard the buzzword, the new term, social business that IBM is starting to introduce, uh, really looking at how social, um, social media in particular and tools like business intelligence can come together to, to uh, to find, uh, you know, things that I'll, I'll just give you one example with the collaboration. How do I um, make a decision? You know, we've all made decisions around the table, and I just need a little more information about my pipeline. So here's an opportunity now where we uh, pe people are, you can now search in Cognos 10, for example, for pipeline information, um, which 
but in addition, we can also search in the acti connections activities, um, well, actually all throughout connections, and find out what conversations, discussions have gone on about pi my pipeline. Maybe it's around a specific region, so I want to find out what's happening in the UK for, just for argument's sake, Nova product. So I could type in uh, United Kingdom and Nova and find out not only all the reports and dashboards, I can find that hard evidence about what's going to make uh, you know, information to, to maybe examine and, and, and review what's really happening with my pipeline. But I could also look at the qualitative aspects that are occurring within my activities and files and what are people saying about uh, NOVA and the United Kingdom. So is, is, is this maybe the first step for connections to get something equivalent to e-discovery as well as just reporting? That's probably a good way, and on from a, a Cognos perspective, we're, we're first introducing this collaborative decision making as part of our collaborative uh, business intelligence, and you'll probably um, see more social media type features showing up within the BA environment, the business analytics environment, and conversely, within the Lotus environment, uh, they're, they're they're very excited about the opportunity to conduct uh, social analytics. So although today you can use the Cognos products for reporting on you know who's talking to who and how, uh, using the Cognos products on top of the connections uh, usage data, you'll see greater integration moving forward as uh, our products work together and we get more feedback from customers. And I think that's true across the portfolio. Again, as I said, the, the, we're looking at, and we're looking at things that we've acquired, like Cognos, as, as, as capabilities that, that we share throughout the portfolio. So these kind of analytics things. I mean, I wasn't at Lotus, uh, Lotus Sphere. I always follow it with uh, a great deal of jealousy for, the, for those that are there. <laughs> much as I've just done with the uh, the uh, uh, the Austin conference. Someone help me out here. South by Southwest. Southwest. Thank you. Um, which I tried to erase from my. Uh, Twitter feed, so <laughs> cool stuff that's going on. Um, but you know, we, we often hear about you know the Cognos capabilities and the the kind of analytics services um, within WebSphere brand as well, and, and 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 other spaces. So I'm curious, though, Tina, how, I, I'm not having been at Lotusphere, how how is this kind of surfaced? What what does this look like? Well, if you can imagine, um, I'll just maybe walk through. I, I, I post a link into our. Uh, into our um, documentation so you, uh, where there's some examples and screen captures and there's some uh, recorded demos available on uh, the IBM website. So I put those links in, in the uh, our document. Yeah, and they'll but, go into the show notes. Um, so, you know, when think about you're looking at a, a, a dashboard or what we call a Cognos 10 workspace, which is our new uh, business insight workspace for interactively uh, looking at the information. You know, it's an area where you can personalize it. Uh, you might see something on, on it where uh, there's a dip. Typically, it's dip. You know, you got to think of managers are looking at something like, ooh, that's not looking good. I want to find out more. Let me talk to Fred. So, it, you know, rather, rather, it might start off with, let, let's start, a, it might be a conversation. It's like, well, no, we need to really talk, engage more people. <clears throat> Excuse me. And these people typically are, you know, nowadays, people are around the globe, just like us today on this call. So, why can't I just... Uh, so I'm at this workspace, and it's just very simple. I, I go to my collaboration menu. I, cl I can click start new cl new collaboration, start new activity. Um, an activity dialog comes up where I can type in the information of how I want to start an activity, just like I do with Lotus. It's exactly the same. Actually, it's actually the same dialog. And then you're brought into activities uh, in that activity you just created, hopefully using a decision-oriented template to have the right sections already set up. So you've got that initial, you know, initial checklist to remind you what, what kind of topics to cover. And there would be a special link in, in there that takes you back to that, that workspace for that uh, was initiated with Cog, uh, from the Cognos environment. 
Now, what happens later on, though, this is where the integration got exciting for the people I spoke to at Lotusphere, was um, when you go back to that workspace, anybody now going to that workspace can say, show me what, what collaborative activities are going on about this work, about this information. And the collaboration panes opens up from the bottom. And there you can see a list of all the activities that are related to this workspace, where there's conversations, discussions going on about this data. Yeah, I think actually that's that's the part where, where we see the, the greatness happening of, of the integration between Lotus and, and Cognos in this case. I mean, traditionally you would have had some controller take out the data, look at it, say, mm, this is maybe not right, I'll massage it a bit, then translate it into a PowerPoint and then send it off. And then you had the conversation in emails around that PowerPoint and there's no way that you can track it back to the actual figures. And that's why it's so nice when it now comes together between the two products. You can actually go in, you can see, you can see the history, the comments, and you actually got the correct data in front of you at all the times. Yes, exactly. And what makes it really interesting is that using activities, you can also track all the actions and, and the follow-up that's occurring. And you can relate it back then to the evidence, the source of that information, so you can be confident that everyone's looking at the same version of the truth and we're not looking at our emails trying to compare <laughs> you know, spreadsheets. Yeah, not that anybody has ever done that. <laughs> so, right. so, I mean, Google Docs does a great job, you know, <laughs> making that easier. But you know, not a lot of businesses have adopted it yet. So let me uh, let me uh, let me once again demonstrate my lack of uh, integration with uh, other bits of our of our company, perhaps. <laughs> and uh, I'll just give you a question. Um, so. So that sounds, that, and I've just been looking at the screenshots and, and what this looks like. This looks really cool. I mean, this is obviously for uh, environments where you're inside the connections environment. And obviously, IBM itself uses connections heavily. Uh, other organizations are adopting it rapidly um, and, and seem to be getting lots of value from it. Is there, is there any kind of external kind of follow, following of conversations and analytics around um, external conversation around your brand, for example, or is that something separate completely, or, or would that it be a future direction, perhaps? Isn't that SSPS? Isn't that what that's supposed to be for? <laughs> Are you talking uh, about uh, measuring sentiment? Yeah, that kind of thing. Or around, I mean, I guess it, sentiment's the one way of looking at it. Yeah, so there's um, um, Cognos. Also, we've been we've been investing in text analytics for a number of years, and uh, very more sophisticated forms of search search that would that that are more that's more data focused, and that would complement like a, a Google search environment. And in that context, the solution that has been brought forward it was only launched in January, so it's very new. It's called Cognos Consumer Insight, and that is the uh, the measuring of. You know what? What is the sentiment? You know, the the data tells us, you know, how many people are talking to each other, uh, but sentiment tells us, well, and what are they saying? Is it a you know a thumbs up or a thumbs down kind of conversation? Right. Right, so, so we've, got that's where we've got the business insight and we've got the consumer insight. That's really interesting, thanks. It, yeah. It's actually, it's coming out of a really, really neat product. I don't know if you saw, there was an article on then gadgets like six months ago where they were looking at gadgets, social business analytics center, uh, where they're tracking in real time what, what are their customers saying about about Gatorade, etc. And then also looking at, at, at how are they comparing, how is the brand ranking, etc. And that is now actually being brought into our products. So that was built by our service division. Uh, it's a really good article. I'll try to find it and drop it in the show notes. And, and one of the things I think we'll find is, you know, I, I, I do urge people who are listening to this to go look at the links, the synchronous link, um, where, where the screenshots are. And, and I think the thing that struck me when I first saw this a, a couple of weeks ago, it's been out there for a while, I believe, is is that the context around it. So it's, it's instant context. I don't have to go search my email. And I have a feeling that, that in five years or seven years or maybe even 10 years, we're going to look back and we're going to go, oh my God, how did we ever have a conversation 
where we had no idea what the context was except that I'm reading some random email that I managed to search in my mail file. And, and I think that's what, what kind of struck me as very game-changing that, you know, it's built right into the product. It's right there. Hey, why are my sales numbers down? Or, hey, more importantly, maybe why are my sales numbers up? Uh, and and I, can, I can start off a, a chain of, of conversation right there. And it's, it's all it's all in the same place and I don't have to go to all of these different places and I think you know that's where maybe this much touted activity stream comes comes into the fore where you know we, we don't need one activity stream to rule them all maybe we need mini activity streams tied to the context well, those are all great points and you know, the folks at Lotusphere it was uh, quite eye-opening for me as uh, coming from the business intelligence area um, people were just so enthusiastic about how they could collaborate I, I was delivering one session I there was easily 200 people in this room and this lady jumps up from um, I think she was from Sweden she says I'm not an IBMer but this is just fabulous <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's like wow can I can I bottle you and take you with me she was just so it was great to have that kind oh. of enthusiasm expressed as we find on Doggy Nation uh, you know we're, we're huge in Sweden so uh, yeah I think that's uh, just yeah, actually you are <laughs> <laughs> so Tina uh, many of the people that are listening to this podcast will probably be used to either talking to customers or dealing with um, you know conversations inside their company about their their notes and domino infrastructure or their Lotus environment where we typically talk about numbers of users and numbers of servers and we license in that way how how is Cognos Business Intelligence licensed at the moment if you if you just look at Cognos and then how does that work in terms of you then getting connections licenses as part of that bundle great question anyone it is one that comes up all the time so for anyone who's um uh who's bought Cognos in the past the the we tend to use a user user role licenses. So, a company would buy, a, let's say, a consumer role, uh, some authoring roles, and, and administrator roles. And they're they're licensed, uh, you know, at the consumer end. There's uh, it's meant for mass adoption. So they're at the lower end and at the administrator end. Uh, they get full capabilities, and the, the capabilities are tiered so that as you buy a, a more ex- a higher a higher role, as we use it, it's a if you can think of a pyramid where the administrators at the top and the consumers at the bottom. Um, the, the, all the capabilities and roll up, where the okay. the collaboration capabilities are are available as at our enhanced consumer role. That's where we provide um, all the interactive authoring, the collaboration. There's uh, additional notification and authoring that, that that's available there. And at that price point, excuse me, um, anyone who has enhanced consumer, the authoring administrative roles, has full access to the connections environment, not just for activities for um, integrating with the, the Cognos pieces, but uh, the, Co- the Lotus team was really keen on having the, the business um, intelligence community really um, take full advantage of, of what collaboration could bring to their table, to their business environment, and, and use that as a, a pilot, essentially, to then encourage the rest of the organization to adopt this, this way of communicating and sharing information. That's really great because I kind of imagined you would just be licensing, you know, just activities as part of this. So it's great they get the whole of the the connection stack. So if we look at maybe a you know an average ten thousand user company, for example, that has Cognos, I'm guessing they would only have fifty or a hundred or two hundred licenses for Cognos of that kind of level. So they then get an equivalent number of connections licenses. So what then happens if it's a success and they then want to roll connections out to the rest of their environment? 
That's that's a great question. And you know, and, and you're right. In a 10,000 employee organization, only a handful of you know typically it'd be around 20, 25 percent okay. of, of, of those employees would typically have a BI, a business intelligence license. So um, when the company is ready, they can buy a, a full a full use license of connections for their non-Cognos users and just reconfigure Cognos then to uh, to use the the um, the enterprise-wise or the corporate version of connections. There's no need to redeploy or, or anything like that. Um, so, and they can, um, so that means the 20% already have access to connections, so they only need to buy a license then for the remaining employees in their company. Terrific. And so there's no other limitations on, on use of connections as part of Cognos in terms of, you know, you can connect to it from your notes client, you can use mobile access and all the kind of things you would normally do in connections. There weren't put any limits put onto it. So if you can almost think of it as um, they bought connections and, and Cognos, as in essence we use the term side by side. Yeah. Um, but the, but the entitlement is only for those Cognos users um, to to that instance of connections. And and that is impressive. You get all the features of connections because connections isn't just you know super duper discussion and activity frameworks is also you know it's files it's profiles there's literally everything in there so I, I, you know i commend ibm on saying this is a non-crippled version of, of the software i think that's that's very good <laughs> i've never heard her quite phrase as non-crippled i'll have to remember <laughs> that <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it um, i think i may be too canadian <laughs> we, we say it's a full use license much more polite <laughs> So if this is the, the, the first sort of point of integration we've got in, in Cognos 10, what's next as you look forward? Do you see more integration with, with elements of the collaboration portfolio as you move forward? We do. We see um, over the next little while, but not just uh, – if you think of the collaboration portfolio as being more than just connections, there's there's same time. We have same time meetings. Um, over the next while, you'll see uh, um, – more demonstrations and integration. Uh, some of the stuff actually works today. It's just we, uh, like, as my as my colleagues can attest to, IBM's a big place, and it's every now and again we run into clever, um, creative people who go, "Wow, we can already do that." And I'm like, "Really? That's fabulous. Let's mm-hmm. let's um, you know share that inf- those insights and uh, get our customers excited about what we can do." <laughs> <laughs> Andy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry. I, I, I work for a company with not very many people, and we still have the same problem. We have no oh. idea what the other people can do either. Excellent. Yeah. So it's been uh, it's been great fun working with the uh, the Lotus team. Uh, many of the factions within Lotus, the uh, people are, I feel like they're coming out of the woodwork. They're like, we can integrate. That's great. So now it's just a matter of prioritizing and um, you know get, taking our customer feedback and to uh, to, pr- to help with that prioritization as we go through our spring planning. Well, Tina, I, I think it's terrific what you've shared with us today. I, I think you know the future's bright for for Cognos and, and connections integrated, and and then the rest of the Lotus portfolio as as we move forward. I think uh, many of us came away from Lotusphere really excited by by the stuff that was announced, and particularly I remember the Wednesday keynote at Lotusphere where they had the the many different brands that IBM has in the software group and how they were looking to integrate that with the Lotus stack. And you know it goes back to what Andy's been talking about really is that looking at the wider IBM uh, software portfolio instead of looking at the individual colored brands i think really makes sense going forward it absolutely does and, and thanks so much for this uh, opportunity to present the uh, you, you mentioned the wednesday morning session uh, chris zekin who's our vp of uh, strategy um 
I'd worked with him a bit a bit on the, on the, on his presentation. And there are you know for people who have connections and people who have Cognos and are looking to maximize their investment. I mean, they can now do collaborative decision making, social analytics, and now with uh, Cognos Consumer Insight, they can also measure uh, both corporate and market sentiment. So I, I think that you know with these just this is just the beginning of, of a, a great friendship that's just going to continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at another area of the Lotus portfolio that's been um, sort of in the tech news a bit recently, um, Lotus Live is, is really taking off. We're seeing lots of customers move uh, onto Lotus Live in terms of their cloud-based collaboration. And that's been in the news this week because IBM Japan has announced that um, they're allowing three months free use for anybody who's involved in the Japan earthquake and tsunami disaster recovery, which I think is just a terrific thing for IBM to do. Um, Andy, perhaps you've got a view on this. It, I think it's great that I've been making this kind of commitment uh, absolutely i mean ibm's got a long history of, of um supporting and helping in these kind of uh, situations uh, we're often you know as soon as there's a, a, a disaster or um situation of this kind we, we have kind of uh, information on the internet about how we can help our colleagues in in these kind of areas and and uh, checking on on each other this is um this is fantastic uh, i was hearing actually just looking um at, a, at another uh, large uh, organization that's kind of in supporting efforts over there i was looking at some of the things that apple's been doing because i follow a number of the apple related podcasts um you know encouraging people to donate to the red cross through itunes uh which is entirely free without any any money going to apple keeping their stores in japan open because that's where people can get free wi-fi and connect with their families you know or with the rest of the world to tell them they're okay um I think this kind of thing, um, and this is a good example of where Lotus Live um, and the you know the live collaboration technology can be really valuable for um, connecting people across uh, continents, uh, and really uh, some of the some of the things in there, kind of uh, the activities and, and all those other things, can actually really help to coordinate these things. Um, so I, I very much. Um, you know, support this and believe that this is exactly the kind of uh, social conscience that, that that we've seen in the past, really. And one of the organisations that I work with a lot, the Salvation Army, has announced they're, they're planning to use both Lotus on-premise and Lotus Live technology to, to manage some of their efforts out there. And of course, Darren, it's not the first time they've used uh, Lotus technology to help with disaster. I think they're involved in the um, Christchurch, New Zealand earthquake as well. Yeah, um, one of their guys who I actually met at Lois Fear, Mark Bennett, uh, who works for the Salvation Army in New Zealand, uh, he actually had a blog post, which is in the show notes, where he, within the space of a couple of hours, had knocked up an application specifically to allow uh, you, you know, emergency responders uh, access to the critical data during due, due the earthquake. And, and you know, this is not the first time that, that the notes has done this. I know it was used in Haiti. Um, so, you know, there's, there's definitely some type of marketing that I think IBM could, could hook onto here. Uh, you know, it's a shame that we only see it come to the fore when hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people have perished. Um, but it does go to show that, you know, the product has, has a place, specifically when you've got really limited bandwidth. You know, replication is still... It, nothing comes close to it so you can have a server sat there that may not connect to a, a patchy dialogue for weeks on end but you can still do your what what you can still track what's coming in what's going who's checking in who's checking out all these emergency teams it, you know and and i think that tell, says a lot about the product and, and and kudos to ibm japan uh you know i think the only thing that struck me was that three months seems a bit bit small because it, you know you look at the other 
major disasters like the tsunami that hit Indonesia, and and they're still there, and that's probably two and a half years ago now. So, uh, you know, the only thing I'm I'm worried about is, you know, three months is that long enough? If all of these organizations start using it, what's going to happen? Uh, hopefully, it'll continue out as as, as long as needed. I mean, looking at this, just it, it, it's it's a terrible disaster that's happened. But I mean, looking at the opportunity that we have with the technology, I mean, this is a great showcase of showing how cloud can actually have, help rapid development. I mean, it's just looking at how fast they got access to these tools, how fast they got people up and running, up and working without having to go to training, without having to go through setting up difficult software. Um, and I and I think uh, you're absolutely right. Three months is it's nothing in in the grand scheme of, of recovering from this accident. So I. I think we will see IBM supporting this for a long, long time. And then three months is just the first to get us started. And then we'll see where we go from there. Um, back to Andy's comment about how we're actually really, really fast at this. We actually got emergency response teams within IBM who are being trained to, to actually go on site when we have certain types of, of disasters. So we are people that are willing to travel and that are educated to go out and help and set up infrastructure, set up communications, help with, uh, with sorting out people, doing project management, etc. So there are, IBM is actually great at doing these, this stuff and, and being there and helping people. So, But I think we're, we're not that good at actually showcasing that and getting it out into the news. So that's something that we perhaps could do a bit better. I also like the story about the rapid application development. It, it, it's really good and, and, and I agree we should, we should use that more. I think you're right. And I, I think we're going to see uh, hopefully some really good kind of case study sounds almost a bit too kind of commercial. But I hope we, I hope we do get some really good reviews of what's been done there and how useful it's been. Um, and something else in the in the cloud um, kind of area is that Microsoft, I think it was just today, announced that they're now going to offer BEZ hosting. So um, RIM, BlackBerry Enterprise Server hosting as part of their BPOS cloud offering, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, IBM have obviously already announced they're going to do that as part of Lotus Live Notes as well. Um, but the difference i think darren is is that microsoft are going to do this for free is, is no extra charge yeah chris miller had linked yesterday to a zdnet article where microsoft have confirmed the room of it's been going around for a couple of days that microsoft bpos users are going to have free bez access for calendar mail contact synchronization uh, and and i think this is interesting for, for a number of reasons uh, both Microsoft and Google in the last 24, 48 hours have kind of come out swinging at, at Lotus Live. You know, BPOS, Microsoft with this free bears, which Lotus Live charges, I think, $15 per user per month for. And then also Google have just updated their, their, their Google Docs and have come out with their release schedules, which I think is an obvious swing at the soon-to-be-released Lotus Live document sharing, a.k.a. Concord. Um, so I, I do think it's it's interesting that we're starting to see the the much purported cloud vendors, Google, IBM, and, and Microsoft, all starting to slug it out. And they've obviously driven the cost down so much that they can't reduce the price, but maybe they can change the feature set. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do question how important BlackBerry support is going to be. I, I think the number of, of people that are going to be using cloud-based and still need BlackBerry integration is probably limited compared to the number of people who say they're going to need Android or iOS integration uh, at that kind of level. But I, I do think it's important that IBM at least keeps up with what BPOS are doing in that area. So interesting to see how that moves forward. Um, I- 
I was just also going to comment, I mean, I'm, I am not a lawyer, um, but there's obviously been um, situations in the last uh, six months or so where different governments have, have asked for access to BlackBerry uh, servers. So I'm just wondering right. whether how all this kind of inter intercepts and interacts with one another, because that's uh, an interesting um, set of uh, thoughts as well, I think. Well, and, and I think it's, it's geographical, uh, you know, in, in the States probably 80% of the small business people we see carry around a BlackBerry. And that's the first thing they ask about any type of cloud. What is it going to cost to get my BlackBerry on there? I don't just want IMAP. I want calendar and, and contacts. Now, I think that's going to change over the next couple of years. But, you know, I don't think necessarily Android and iPhone has percolated down to your normal, quote-unquote, run-of-a-mill small business people. I think in the technical area it has. You know, we're all carrying iPhones and Androids, and I'm carrying an iPhone and an Android. Um, I can beat you. Still, I've got an Android and an iPhone and a BlackBerry. No. There, there you go. You've got, got the I trifecta. Actually, Do you yeah, have I any space that... left on your belt? Are you like Batman? Uh, yeah. Um, I've oh, got this God. little Fit, Fitbit device, which I'm not going to talk about today because I haven't got enough time, but that clips on my belt as well. So, yes, it's. Um, yeah, I look really sad at the moment. Yet Andy started on how many notebooks he carries around. <laughs> I actually think uh, BlackBerry, I mean, that all depends on the market. If you look at the European market, I think BlackBerry has sort of been sidetracked for the last couple of years. It's diminishing the, the, the size of the BlackBerry market here. Here you see it's iPhone and it's Android and it's to somewhat extent Symbian in, in the Nordic countries. But BlackBerry is really, really, it's it's really shrinking from a day-to-day -day basis. So it's going really fast and, and we're seeing those tendencies also going over to U.S., BlackBerry will be going away. It's still the preferred choice if you look at the executives and it's perceived as being a more secure device. But I, I think we're going to see the development actually shift and move towards what we see here in Europe. I saw some numbers coming out of Gartner just a couple of weeks ago that Android has actually surpassed uh, BlackBerry as the number one smartphone device being used by enterprises in the U.S. Well, it'd be interesting to see, again, how this kind of maps out in terms of the growth patterns and, and particularly with the news around Nokia and, and Microsoft recently. I think it's, it's clearly going to be a very competitive area uh, as we move forward. And of course, on the subject of, of Android in particular and iOS too, there's just been announced this, this week uh, there's a new same-time client that a business partner has released called Quip IM. Uh, it's now available on the Android marketplace and I think will be on the Apple App Store pretty soon too. So... Um, Andy, I think you've got this installed, but haven't had a chance to give it a try yet. Yeah, I installed it. I mean, I, I can start it. Um, I haven't actually been on a net, uh, on the corporate network uh, since uh, I noticed this uh, yesterday, uh, and I haven't connected it to kind of the bleed yellow or any of the other external same times uh, communities I use. So uh, it looks it looks perfectly nice and serviceable as a, as, a, as an Android uh, chat client. I mean, I I actually invested um, when I first got my iPhone in the uh, Beejive IM, which uh, was originally promising same time integration and, and, and hasn't yet delivered it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's I'm I'm really pleased. Okay, as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm all about community and I'm all about ecosystem around our, our software products. I'm delighted that third parties are building uh, interoperable clients with with our um, in instant messaging in this case uh, or, or you know whether it's whether it's instant messaging or if it's mq integration I, I i just i just love the fact when i see people picking up our technology and using it uh, in the way that that we want them to um it's it's hugely important obviously to be able to keep in touch on the move uh, instant messaging i think is still it's in my experience when i've been out with customers uh, and i don't work in the same collaboration um space that you guys do but but 
but many customers are still not using, or, or large organizations are still not using uh, organization-wide instant messaging. And I find that bizarre because I'm so used to it from, a, <laughs> from an IBM perspective, and it's so useful. Um, and, and, and just being able to take that kind of connection on the, on the road with me is, is fantastic. So I'm, I'm delighted. I'm also really pleased to see that at the moment it's a, it's a free app in the Android marketplace. So um, that, that's great for adoption as well. And I, I have it installed on my Android. It's not yet available for the iPhone, but it, it is, and it works. I mean, I'm, I'm connected to a full time, same time server. Uh, I, I have, I did try just for kicks to see if I could attach it to a same time limited server, which technically is not licensed that way, so you can't really use it. And I couldn't, so I don't know if it's something on the setup or something on the on the on, in the phone that they've put in that you have to connect to a specific version of same time. Um, but I, I like it a lot. You just remember if you, if you use Android and you use Advanced Task Killer, make sure to ignore it, otherwise you'll get disconnected after every five minutes. <laughs> Oops. Oh. And Henning Schmidt has done a really good review of it. Um, I mean, I, I, th- I think it's quite limited at the moment, but certainly, yeah, there's some things that I'm quite um, surprised are in there, like you can connect to multiple communities already, um, yes. w- you know, which is pretty neat, and it, it logs your, your chats and so on. So I think it's a really good start. And um, again, because it's free, it's just pretty amazing. It's out there. It, 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 actually... it is amazing. Yeah, I mean, the multiple the multiple community thing. You can't get that on the BlackBerry from either Rim or from IBM. So, you know, these guys, I don't know who made it. So I'd love to give them kudos, but I have no idea who made it. I'm looking now. but Also, I, I think it's a great example of actually showing how rich the API for same time actually is. Since you're able to, to build your own client, you get the full functionality, you don't see limitations. It's just up to the imagination of the developer actually how far you can take it. So I'm looking forward to the next release when they will actually do some hybrid capabilities between same time and actually leveraging the full stuff that you have on a mobile, like getting GPS integration, getting camera integration, uh, getting more of that pieces into same time. So you get your or status message update by where your DPS says you are, etc. And, and Andy, you know who created it, right? Yeah, so it's from a company called Conundrum Software. Um, if you go to conundrumsoftware.com, uh, that's there. That's that's the, currently the the big splash on their front page is that, that it's been a, it's been made available for Android. Um, they also have a nice comment here that it you know it's focusing on the IBM same time experience rather than trying to have multiple instant messaging uh, protocols in the same client app. Um, I don't know. I mean. I, I can see the utility. You know, we're increasingly going towards kind of one-use, single, single-purpose apps. Uh, I, I'm also used to having multi-protocol instant messaging clients uh, on on Linux, for example. So, uh, I mean, I can I can see that there, there are benefits to each. It it, is, it looks really nice, and as I say, I'm just really pleased to see that uh, that that's finally being made available. That kind of thing. And there's some features IBM need to look at and put actually in the full same time client, like automatically log me out at a certain time of day. Uh, that feature is beautiful. I love that. I love that idea. Yeah, that's a great idea, isn't it? I, I write, I'll, it's six o'clock, I'm going home now. <laughs> it's almost like having Tasker on the Android phone telling you to go, go kill off some features. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the problems I have with same time in, in the client is but you see the yellow dot, but you have no idea if the person has just walked away for five minutes or has gone on vacation and just left the computer on. <laughs> and something I'll be um, be asking for is that, um, you know, the EXTST external IBM same time community is, is very limited in terms of the clients you can connect to that. And it'll be great if we can get Quip IM to be allowed to, to access that community too. So I'll put in that request on your behalf. 
So um, talking about uh, external clients and, and you know business partners being able to develop clients for the same time, um, something in the news this week is that Twitter, um, the company, has been um, very kind of aggressive in terms of telling their business partners or, or people that have developed for the Twitter infrastructure not to build their own desktop clients anymore, to use the official clients instead. So th- this seems like a pretty back uh, sort of back grade step. Anybody got any comments on this? I, I, I'm, a, I'm disappointed. I mean, I've been using Twitter for years. And the thing with Twitter was they didn't know what it was going to be when they started it. And the reason it took off was because people suddenly discovered, you know, the lowest common denominator for, 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 for posting to Twitter was originally SMS. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, people started to just, because it was such a simple API, build lots of different things in all kinds of languages and use it for all kinds of different things, including, you know, notifications, People were using it for talking in and out of Second Life at one stage, uh, you know, doing all kinds of interesting things with it. We've got, you know, the Twittering House and the Twittering Ferries are kind of uh, interesting IBM Smarter Planet examples. Um, and it feels like uh, that, you know, this clampdown is is really uh, a kick in the teeth to the developer community, to my to my mind. Yeah, I, I agree with Andy. I think the openness of, of Twitter was, was the one reason that it actually took off. There were multiple competing services that are almost the same functionality at, at the same time. But the openness that Twitter had, where you only used basic authentication, you were free, you, you could go in with anything and develop on any platform and then just post HTTP back to them and then bring it back. I, I think that's really the richness that they had. And then now they're going in the reverse direction. You first saw moving to OAuth instead of basic authentication. And now you see them saying, we want to kill off all third-party products products etc so so i think it's going to hurt them in the end actually well well how, how did twitter make money and I, and i think this is the key it's been so successful but it's you know it's probably losing money hand over fist and it's probably venture capital that's keeping it up so you know you've got twitter investing in all of this infrastructure you can only imagine how many servers twitter must have it must be a mini google and and yet you know, that there is no way really for them to recoup any money. And you've got the likes of, of, of Uber Twitter that, that used to, on the BlackBerry, at least had them adverts embedded right inside of the Twitter stream for you automatically. So, you know, you've got the likes of Uber Twitter that's piggybacking on the API and all the work of Twitter, but in, they're making money, but Twitter for real aren't. So, you know, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but when you consistently lose money, you will have to change your business model at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I mean, if you saw the latest fuss over the iPhone Twitter client, which has this new bar uh, that actually shows, um, oh, I forget the word, uh, recommended tweets or, or, or promoted tweets. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to use that that <laughs> word that Andy's just posted in the chat. <laughs> and, and I think it's that's... not polite, but I mean, that's just one way of them bringing it back, trying to make money off this service. And I fully respect them having to do that. But... Um, I also think it's the scarce thing that we, we might actually see people jump ship and go to bus or, or some other service overnight like people actually left MySpace really, really fast when they changed their policies. And, and I think we're so used to free now. You know, we ever since the late early '90s, when people decided we're going to steal our music, right? I, I think the entire culture is now: if it's not free, we're not going to use it. We're not going to pay for it. We're not going to pay for content. I think that's what's eventually going to affect the likes of Twitter and and, and Facebook to an extent. But I think Facebook have solved it by going squarely face to face to face and toe to toe with Google on advertising. So you know, while I feel that that, that Twitter 
has has its uses and you could argue that Twitter has helped overthrow a few dictators in the last few months. I don't think any other piece of software could claim that. But but at some point, someone has to fund this. And, and, and I don't agree with how they're doing it. But as a business owner, I can tell you why they're doing it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I think that's a really um, valid point, Darren. You're right that there's been this question over the business model all this time and they, they've had venture capitalists pouring money in and, and they seem to have been doing very well off it, but they, you know, the business plan's been quite opaque. Um, I think uh, that's perfectly fair. Uh, as with Facebook, where we give up our uh, privacy, really, our, our personal information All in return for a free service. <laughs> Absolutely. In the, in the same way that we do with Google, you know, in the same way that Google advertises stuff to us, Right as we as we search, you know we we do need to be aware that uh, all of these so-called free services are being paid for um, with our social capital, if you like, um, and and we either have to accept these kind of things or not. Um, I, I think the advertising stuff, whilst it was frustrating and annoying, and in, in the uh, recommendation bar in the client, particularly um, I, the first implementation wasn't particularly uh, friendly. Um, it, it's perfectly fair to make the point that. Um, that we need to allow businesses to explore how to make money. I just think in this particular case, uh, it, it has been something that's become, it was, it started off as such a multi-purpose and interesting thing. Um, it strikes me that by taking a, heavy, a particularly heavy-handed approach to developers, that a lot of the uh, interest that they, they initially saw will, will go away. And as a word of warning to Twitter, look what has happened to RIM, and it's solely because of the way they made developer, third-party developer life difficult. I think that's right. And it, I think you know Twitter hasn't had to do very much to build up its partner community. Uh, it's kind of just happened because people have seen the the, the demand and and you know seen the opportunity for innovation. I think now they're trying to manage it in a much more controlled way. It'll be interesting to see what happens to those partners because I think sometimes that that control is just too much for for many partners to take. Yeah, but I, I, I think we're, we're getting down to it. I think the honeymoon is over for Twitter and, and the investors are now looking into how do we get our money back and, and Twitter is not sitting on the same social capital that, for instance, Facebook is. I mean, Facebook, you can sell to advertisers saying, I, I know exactly what a 25-year-old in Sweden, what their interests are, how they move, how they communicate, etc. You don't get that sort of data out of Twitter. So, so they need to figure out a way to, to actually finance what they're doing. And, and I agree, but I don't like all, all the things that they're doing to, to get to that point right now. So it's it's been an interesting week for news. There's there's much much more that we haven't managed to cover in this podcast. I think in fact this is the first twill where we've had more left off our list than we've actually managed to get to. So I appreciate all your input on that. I think it's been a really interesting discussion. So thank you for taking part in that. Now as usual, when we come to our um, at the end of our podcast, we we ask each of our panelists for a tip. So we're going to kick off with Andy this week. Andy, what's your tip? Oh, that's very kind of you, Stuart. So. Um there is a website which I've been using for a while now called Lanyard, um, which is in the Web 2.0 fashion, the word Lanyard with an A drop. So it's L-A-N-Y-R-D. Um, and as the name kind of implies, uh, it's, it's all about conferences. It's about, you know, um, the ability to, to get social around uh, sharing which conferences you're going to. And I, I've blogged about this, so there's a little bit of a plug in the show notes for, for my blog post, which talks about some of the features. Um, and it incidentally plugs in with Twitter. So you kind of uh, log in with your Twitter uh, ID. It knows who your social network is immediately, what uh, conferences they, they're going to, suggest them to you. Uh, you can record the ones you're going to. It's got a really nice way of allowing you to aggregate 
content around point in time conferences because if you think about it when we have for example lotusphere or something lots of stuff gets generated at the time that the particular session is happening people are live tweeting it people are maybe recording little bits of video or audio people then go home and blog about it but they, there's very rarely a kind of single place where all that content gets aggregated, and that's what Lanyard gives you. You can also identify yourself as a speaker, and then you can have a, a kind of a speaker history that grows up showing the presentations you've given and also what people said about them. So I think it's a brilliant, brilliant site. It's kind of gone large this year at South by Southwest. Uh, they're on the Y Combinator uh, uh, investment program as well at the moment. So, so there's some fantastic stuff there. I do recommend that people take a look. And we did use it for Lotosphere this year, Lotosphere 2011. There, there was quite a lot of content put up there on Lanyard for, for that. And the thing I was really impressed by is it, it's kind of very peer-to-peer almost in that there's no sort of hierarchy of who manages a particular event. So everybody can go on there and almost use it like a wiki in terms of updating their own information and adding their own content. Uh, it makes it very easy for people to update. So, uh, yeah, Lanyard's a good tip. Thank you for that, Andy. And, Andy, if people want to get hold of you, uh, how do they track you down for Twitter and, and your blog and so on? Uh, right, so I've got a, a Twitter ID that's kind of um, really obscure. It's my name. <laughs> so it's at Andy Piper. Um, <laughs> and, and my blog is the same, andypiper.co.uk, or if you prefer, theandypiper.com, um, just in case there's any confusion. Terrific. We, we appreciate you coming on the call today and taking part in the podcast. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Great. And Lars, what's your tip for this week? All right. So I actually got two tips. The first one I like to plug is ColabraCam. It's, uh, it's an absolutely fantastic application if you're an iPhone user. So what it is, it's, um, it's a collaborative editing uh, feature. So you get a portable uh, mixing studio that you can actually record from up to four iPhones connected to back to you over Wi-Fi and actually cut and move directly and do productions on your iPhone and, or even include an iPad. Uh, I actually saw this the first time when we had the crew come on board and do Lotus Fair Comes to You here in Stockholm, we had uh, a friend of mine on Twitter, his name is Bjorn, he actually came up to me and showed me, have you taken a look at this? And he was showing me a demo how he had his crew around the room actually using the iPhone and he was connected back to an iPad where he was looking at right now, we're switching to that camera and he could actually push an instant message to, to one of the people saying, all right, I want you to move, tilt slightly to the left, now you're going on. So he was doing all of that and then it was recorded locally on, on the separate iPhones and when he said, I'm done. He just brought it back to his iPad and then he could do a bit, a little bit more editing and then he pushed it on to YouTube. It was just a fantastic thing to watch and all done over local networks. So I was really, really impressed. The second thing I like to push for is, is actually the new capabilities in Google Docs. I think uh, we got a really good competitor there in, in, in Google and in what they're doing with online collaborative editing. And then the latest feature they've added in with comments and how you can do reply to comments and how you get notified about comments. It's just absolutely awesome. Uh, so I recommend people to go take a look at that. Wonderful. And, and certainly looking at the Collaboracam website, it's just stunning what they can do. And all for, you know, in UK pounds, it's three ninety nine. So I guess that's sort of about $5 or so in the US. I think that's a phenomenal solution. I look forward to giving that a try. Yeah, absolutely. I recommend it. OK, great. And Tina, what's your tip? I have two tips. Uh, if people are really interested in seeing the Cognos and Connections integration uh, firsthand, complete with demonstrations, the timing of this is fabulous because uh, myself and Ted Stanton are presenting next week on a webinar, March 23rd. Uh, I put the link in, in, into the document so you can sign up for it or register for it. Um, and then this is so new. I only got confirmation yesterday. We're going to be delivering a Lotus Here Comes to You in Montreal, June 7th. 
Um, please come by. I'm going to be there in person. I've been asked about poutine. Putin, no problem. <laughs> and we'll. Uh, and if you do come, I will throw in a slice of tartal soup just to uh, keep it all together. If you uh, got to leave with good, a full, full heart attack. <laughs> and good news, June the seventh, there'll only be an inch of snow on the ground in, in, in Montreal. <laughs> oh, you light, lighters, you! <laughs> There's, it's I, the snow is almost gone now. It's beautiful, you know, from a Canadian standpoint. <laughs> I can't even imagine being somewhere there. The snow is only just going in yeah, mid-March. Goodness me. That's, that's great. Thank you for those tips, Tina. And Darren, what's oh. your tip? Um, mine is uh, an X-Pages application that's on OpenNTF. I blogged about it or something like that. Maybe tweeted about it. But it's called Xdesk. It's, it's by uh, Chris Connor, um, who is probably one of the up-and-coming stars in, in, in the X-Pages world. He's doing a lot of good blog posts. But the reason I want to highlight Xdesk is it's really the first application that you can download off OpenNTF but also has the inbuilt mobile controls. So it's kind of a help desk issue tracking database but with uh, the mobile components from OpenNTF bolted into it so you can encrypt problem tickets from any WebKit browser like your iShiny or I'm guessing Android. I think Android's WebKit. Um, and it's so good that I'm actually using it uh, at a couple of my clients to, to, to track this stuff. Um, I haven't upgraded yet to the mobile stuff, but now that I'm carrying two WebKit browsers on my hip, I, it's time to do that. And not only that, but it's actually, I think it's a featured uh, open NTF project of a month. So this has been a pretty good uh, pretty good few weeks for, for Chris Connor. Congratulations to him. Absolutely. And uh, I just had a very brief look at it this morning. So I was asked actually about the Atlassian product, Jira, and whether there's a, a competitor to that in terms of issue tracking and management and, and kind of building communities around dealing with bugs. And uh, Xdesk looks to be a really good uh, domino-based solution for, for at least doing part of that work. So, um, so yeah, excellent, Chris Connor. Thank you for that. And my tip for this week is um, an iPad stroke iPhone app. It's Dragon Dictation, which is a, a speech to dictation um, tool that just takes your speech, turns it into text. Uh, it works really, really well. I was astonished at how well it works, even in sort of you know vaguely noisy environments. Obviously, it works better with a headset and a, a quiet room, but it does cope with quite a lot of background noise. Even better, it's free. It's a free app from the App Store. We'll have a link in the show notes. So uh, give that one a try. It certainly helps compared to typing uh, vast quantities of text on on uh, you know a screen keyboard. So uh, give that one a try. So thank you for all those tips. They're really good ones this week. We've got uh, links to those in the show notes. And before we go, if I can just ask those who are still with us uh, for their contact details, Lars, how do people track you down? It's at Allerhead on Twitter, and it's www.allerhead.com. It's my blog, and almost any social service is Allerhead. Brilliant. Thank you very much for taking part, Lars. It's, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you. Brilliant. And Tina, how do people find you? Uh, my Twitter I, name is... Uh... Just as, as com- complex as Andy's, it's my name. <laughs> so it's uh, Tina Gross. <laughs> and if people want to reach me, <clears throat> um, just like most of the IBMers, uh, feel free to send me an email. It's tina.grows at ca.ibm.com. Okay, brilliant. And thanks for your input today. It's been really interesting hearing about um, you know, the Cognos integration work, and we look forward to probably having you back on the show at a later date too. Absolutely. Thank you, Tina. And Darren, how do people find you? Uh, just a quick one. Allahead is spelled A-L-L-E. R-H-E-D, not, there's not H-E-A-D, there's no head, it's not head English head, because I always have trouble finding him, I always spell it wrong, 
I spell it like uh, John Head, not like Allahead. Um, so me, uh, who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm Darren Duke. Darren Duke, all one word, on Twitter for my 140 character rants and also blog.darrenduke.net for all things technical and why you will eventually miss a BlackBerry. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. And my details are just Stuart McIntyre on Twitter and collaborationmatters.com for the company website and blog and everything else that goes with that. So thank you again to all our guests for today. I think it's been a really interesting conversation. Till next week, this was This Week in Lotus. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. Hi, Warren Ellsmore here, and I'd like to tell you about the UK Lotus user group. This year, the largest Lotus event in the UK will be held in Manchester on the 23rd and 24th of May. As always, we'll have a great lineup of speakers from the IBM community, giving you some of the best administration, development and management information out there. We're also really pleased to be supported by some of the best Lotus partner solutions as well. Attendance at the UK Lug event is free thanks to the generous support of these companies. So if you'd like to attend UK Lug, put forward a speaker session or sponsor the event, please take a look at www.uklug.info. And we'll look forward to seeing you in May. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Audible, the destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available worldwide. Want to be well-read like Duffbert but just can't spare the time to read books on paper? Take an audiobook on your commute or whilst walking instead. We've got a special offer for you. Download and listen to a best-selling book every month for just $7.49 a month for the first three months and you can cancel at any time. Pick from over 85,000 audiobooks from business to classics to sci-fi or comedy. Go to thisweekinlotus.com audible for all the details. (laughs) 